When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Street! Red, red, red! Red Polly! Blue Poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 Dragon Smoke. It's Hot Routes on Purple Daily. 588! 397! All right, back here on Purple Daily. Yes, it is that time again. Around 3 o'clock every day, but sometimes. Other times during the show, we do uh, hot routes where we go around the league, look at some headlines, and then often relate it to ourselves or other bigger topics in the NFL. So today, because my voice is a little bit struggly, I'm handing over the duties to the backup quarterback, you, Courtney Crony. You get Am to I step the Sean in. Mannion of yeah, your life? You are, yeah. You get wow. to take the second. You get I to take the over, first team reps I didn't today. overthrow my receiver in the end yep. zone, though. I'm Sean Hill getting my arm iced down. Because you're like 70 Sean, years oh, old. So you... Both are awful at what you do. <laughs> you I didn't that, realize right? you were Sean. Yes, he after, was on the injury yeah. report and he didn't get hurt. After the tennis. Because he was old and tired. Yes, because he just threw too That's, many we call, that, we call that a vet day. <laughs> All right, let's ramp up the music and I will turn it over to you, Courtney. It is on you. Hot routes. Go ahead, starter. All right. Aspartame 69 protein bar. Hot. All right. That's you can't use 69 for everyone, okay? It was the protein bar <laughs> joke that I just made. Did you not hear the no. end of the hot route? I, I like it. protein bars. I caught it. I do, too. I like being told what's the in them. The ones that you use, the protein bars, are the best ones, I think. Yes, they are. Of anyone I've ever heard of. Yeah, they're low calorie. They No hidden sugar. No hidden. <laughs> I get mine at Target Field all the time. <laughs> Anyways, all right. You're a traitor. Hot, how, hot how route number you? one. Julio Jones told reporters that he is not worried about his contract. Of course, that's obviously a lie because everybody is worried about their green, as in their money. Um, here's my question. <laughs> and, is and who- if you're uh, other players, then that could mean <laughs> yeah, other things. Too. Yeah, Is Julio Jones one of the best receivers of all time, Judd? You know, I gave this great thought in, in the uh, prep before the show when I realized I hadn't prepped hot routes and started uh, a couple minutes before I walked in the studio. And... <laughs> And I came to this conclusion after uh, going through the statistical sample sizes and great thought on Julio Jones. And the answer is he's very, very good. And he might someday be considered among the best. But right now, with the question being asked, the answer is no. 
698 catches, 10,731 yards, 51 touchdowns, 111 games is fantastic. But you know what? This all has to be looked at through the prism of 2019. Mm -hmm. And the fact that this league is completely now predisposed to favoring the passing game and receivers. So I don't think it's fair to declare many guys in that group right now when you understand what the rules are. So I would say, with question being asked right now, Courtney Cronin, the answer is nope. Jonathan? Jonathan? Oh, sorry. Oh, no, you, no, no, you, I'm sorry. What happened there? You gave her, this is, it's a mutiny. The schism. Sorry. You gave her the ball, then you took the I'm ball sorry. away? Call wow. timeout. Call did, timeout. You, did you just pull a Gary Kubiak on me? <laughs> yeah. What are you going to do, Kirk? Oh, man. Jonathan, what do you got? <laughs> what you going to do? Towards yes. I think he is one of the better receivers of all times. People know that he's the best receiver on the team. They double-team him. And yet he still averages almost a first down every time he catches the ball. That's an impressive number. I'm going to go with yes. So far in his career, eight eight years, I think it is. Yeah, I'm going to go. He's one of the better receivers but of all time. I think if he does it for a little longer, maybe four or five more years, mm-hmm. then yes, he's in the conversation. Three of the last four years, he's led the NFL in yards per game receiving. And he had 1,800 yards in 2015, led the league in receiving yards last season, 15.4 yards per reception. Like you said, Jonathan, the outrageous numbers that he has and great completion percentages for somebody who goes down the field all the time. I agree with what you're saying, Judd, for, you know, hey, there's a lot of great receivers around, but he's dominated them in a lot of cases outside of when he's had uh, dings and cuts for his statistics. So I think that as of right now, very close and four or five more years of this. Yeah, I'll put him in that category. QB1, what do you think? I think Larry Fitzgerald needs to be in this conversation. Like, I know that if I'm just comparing, like, guys who are in that same sort of realm, um, and I have issues with his touchdown production when I'm looking at Julio Jones. He's averaging just about, like, what, six or seven touchdowns a a year? For somebody who's, like, supposed to be that big of a stat machine. Nitpicky. I know, but I'm looking down the road, sure. He's going to cross the 11,000-yard threshold this season, probably, like, in the first, like, game or so. So, we'll see. Um... Eventually, yes, but right now I'm not putting him in that category. I'm putting, I'd put Larry Fitzgerald over him right now, for sure. And four years of production from here on out takes him to the age of 34 or 35. That's a long time in this league, too. Oh, sure. It is. At that position, yes. too. Yes. All right, hot route number two. Oh, God, now I forgot. What have I forgot? Oh, oh my processing. Jake Browning here. All right, wait. Can I, got I talk one. to Kevin Stefanski about this? <laughs> oh, you know what? Give me Kubiak instead. <laughs> Okay, Rookies. I'm gonna come. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have a hot rod for the next one. We're just gonna go straight into this. Um, What's the plan? No huddle offense. <laughs> We're running the hurry up here. This is the SEC, Matthew Collar. This oh yeah, a- I'm holding up a giant picture of a giraffe yeah. on the sideline <laughs> with like then- Jessica Alba's face next to it, and, you see the whole and a giant L, and then like one, two, three, four, five, six. The whole thing was supposed to be play calls off different forms of nutrition bars. Okay, fine. Whey protein, 54. See? Aspartame. <laughs> chocolate. Aspartame <laughs> okay. is your Omaha. Okay, fine. Aspartame is fake sugar. That's how the fake, that's how the protein thing. Oh, can, can you call the play, please? Okay. I just called it. I just yelled <laughs> no, it. No, she called it. Yeah. All right. Good job. Patriots are filing tampering charges against the oh. Texans for trying to hire Nick Casario to be their next general manager. It's obviously been in the news since Brian Gain was fired last week. Uh, so to recap, the Patriots are accusing someone else of cheating, which is hilarious. Um... <laughs> Matthew, I'll start with you this time. What's the most ironic thing you've seen in the NFL? Most ironic thing, at least that I have covered, there are probably many, but the one that came to mind right away 
was Kai Forbath kicking one of the most clutch field goals in Minnesota Vikings history. A um, history with some issues with clutch field goals in the past. Forbath, 52 yards, Minneapolis miracle game, right down the middle. Beautiful, great job, Kai. And then he gets cut for a rookie the next year who shanks his first, second, and third clutch field goals and gets also cut. Irony at its best. Jonathan? I don't know if it's really irony more than surprise, but Case Keenum, everybody thought he was just going to be some camp body, just not going to play a lot, and then he goes on and leads the team to a 13-3 record, and I think that'd be up there for me. Okay. So we get into the definition of actual I, irony, irony versus coincidence. Yes. That is more toward real irony, the unexpected, and Judd, I think you have coincidences. Yeah, so I am going to stick with the uh, Patriots theme, though, and go in the way back machine to Spygate, which originated, if you guys recall, with the Jets coach, Eric Mangini, who had gotten his job based solely on the fact that he worked for Bill Belichick with the Patriots mm. and had institutional knowledge of the Patriots cheating. And then instead of saying, you know what, if I get fired by the Jets someday, I can go back and work for Bill because everybody else does. And he said, he ratted. I'm yeah. going to be, I'm going to turn state's evidence against my guy, Bill <laughs> Belichick, and turn him in and start one of the biggest brouhaha's in the National Football League at the time. So it's Eric Mangini ratting out his boss, who is the only reason why he got the job in the first place. I think it's ironic. It's funny, if nothing else. All right. I don't know if mine's truly ironic or if it's just more of just like No one knows what the hell ironic means. Alanis Morissette told us what it meant. Yeah, and she was wrong for like 92% of that song. Whatever, Judd. Stop wrecking my childhood. Um, Yeah, that that plain thing, that's not ironic. What would you call that? A disaster? Uh, Unfortunate. (laughs) You're dead. Is that the song where it says uh, all you need is a spoon and you only have a fork? Yes, pretty yeah, much. Not irony Is again. Is that ironic? No, that's not. It's just bad luck. That's just being dumb because you should have gone and found the fork or spoon. Okay. I think, I think the Saints complaining about anything after Bounty Gate <laughs> oh, sure. and complaining about dirty oh, play. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Because Sean Payton has absolutely done that multiple, multiple times. Good one. Um, and kind of just talking about the unfairness of the NFL and all that stuff when you're literally play, paying players to go after guys' heads and ankles and other things. Um, that's that's mine. Um yeah. All right. Ready for the next hot route? Yes. All right. Red, blue, blocking call. Who knew? Overball, overball. Set hype. It's topical, right? This is out of control. <laughs> you told me to come up with good audibles at the line of scrimmage. That is a good one. This is not about our personal issues. This is about getting the play calls in. The with- headset cut out at ten se- at fifteen <laughs> seconds. It's not my fault. We're on the road. Was that, right. that just about the long snapper competition? But, no, I, it was a long snapper joke because it was like he screwed up the blocking call. Is it red? Is it blue? He didn't know. So oh, okay, all um, right. I didn't know if it was about and the that caused the Minneapolis and that miracle. caused the Minneapolis miracle. We've been over this like a lot. All right. Um, okay. So Matthew mentioned yesterday that Steve McNair is going to have his number retired by the Titans, um, and probably deserves to be in the Football Hall of Fame. Yep. yep. So. You think he's the most underrated quarterback in the NFL? I do. Yes. Okay. NFL history, I think Steve McNair is the most underrated quarterback. So, do I you want to stay- be in the Hall of Fame? Do you want to stay on this one, or do you want to? Ju- you want to tell us why? You want to give us someone else? Yeah, I'll, th- I'll tell you why, and then you guys can give your most underrated quarterbacks. I mean, first of all, the winning. Like the guy did a ton of winning, way more winning than losing. He's a foot away from a, a Super Bowl. 
against the Los Angeles Rams. They, uh, I'm sorry, the St. Louis Rams. They would have had no chance whatsoever without Steve McNair. He was brilliant. He was a playmaker. And his touchdown numbers would be much higher passing if, A, he didn't run some of them, and, B, they didn't give it to Eddie George every time they were at the goal line. So the traditional statistics, I don't think, tell the story with a guy who is just uber successful throughout his career, great athlete, great playmaker, great leader, everything you could ever want, Steve McNair. One of my favorite players, and uh, I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Jonathan? Uh, I'm going to go with Randall Cunningham. I think he was just before his time a little bit. I'll no one really thought of a quarterback as a rushing uh, icon then. And then he, in 1990, he rushed for almost 1,000 yards in the same season. He threw for 3,400 yards and 30 touchdowns. I, I mean, know. He was the whole offense. Yeah, it was great. I think he was he's pretty dang underrated. You just stole mine. I was oh, going to say the, the yeah. exact same thing. Uh, another guy, though, to go back and uh, examine his career, and he was overshadowed because he got hurt, and the guy that took over for him has turned out to be perhaps the greatest quarterback of all time, though. Honorable mention for me, Drew Bledsoe. Yeah. Drew Bledsoe I, was, was an was outstanding QB, but he got hurt. Brady takes over, and now everyone's like, thank God Bledsoe got hurt because that opened <laughs> the door for Brady. But uh, Drew Bledsoe was a hell of a quarterback at one time. All right. I think Vinny Testaverde should probably be in this really? argument. Somehow, I mean, he has the seventh most passing yards in the NFL in history, um, and he played for twenty years. I was gonna say I he wouldn't. Re- he wouldn't retire he, either. He's this year's. He's, he's he's of his time. I would say he's his era's Philip Rivers in a way. Do you think that's fair? Um, the fact that he career played longevity for, played for a ton of different teams, though, which I think. I think Vinny and, Testaverde and bad is bad teams like, too. I, I think that that really did hurt him. He didn't have did. great players on yeah. those teams. How did he play that long? He had a lot of fourth quarter comebacks. Great though. arm, just yeah. had a great, great arm. arm. But he, I think the comeback mentality too, by the way. and over the years, um, what is it? He's twenty nine for uh, twenty nine career fourth quarter comebacks, seventh of all time. And it wasn't just padding your stats type comebacks; it's leading them to wins. So I thought that that deserves it. I have a um, honorable mention for, okay. for Tony Romo. I don't know if I want to say Tony Romo is a Hall of Fame quarterback, but he always got it pinned on him because that he couldn't win because he dropped a ball that he was supposed to hold, which why is the starting quarterback the holder for short field goals? But they wouldn't have been in that position if not for Tony Romo being really, really good. And year after year, one of the best statistical quarterbacks, a great playmaker. He's in the Pro Bowl all the time. Career record, 78-49. and 49. It's a lot of winning for Tony Romo for a guy that's called a loser. And <laughs> his career um, in the playoffs, quarterback rating 93. So it's not like the guy was just Here's the prob- garbage. Here's the problem with him, though, is there is a large group that absolutely hates him and thinks he was not that good. But then there's a large group of people that love him. So I, I don't know if there's, if, if like in this middle ground conversation of this guy didn't get his due, if he fits that. He's not universally loved, no, that's for sure. No, but he's loved, but, you know, guys like Mackie absolutely adored him and love mm-hmm. him. Yeah. So it's this weird, no, he sucks. No, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. And and so, like, the middle ground that exists for a lot of these conversations, yeah. I feel like with Romo, isn't existent. Okay, maybe that's fair. Um, because you, could, people you, did believe he was an elite quarterback. McNair definitely time, falls yeah. in that, in that yeah. sort of middle ground where there's not a lot of love or hate, but just this, yeah, he, he was okay, but statistically he was. Would, you, would you put yeah. Donovan McNabb in that category? 
I uh, think McNabb I feel like is properly rated as being real good. Definitely polarizing, great. though. Polarizing. Definitely I think, polarizing. I think there were people who, you know, remember like a few weeks ago when he was like crying about like, oh, I should yeah. be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And, he, and he will not stop going after Troy Aikman. Which, My numbers are similar. I, he just has a, it's a dog on a bone with that I one. Know. But um, Aikman is way better than you. Like, that's the problem. Different era, though, and he had much better, I mean... McNabb had good teams. McNabb had good teams and also ran the ball himself a lot. He didn't have... You know, we didn't have a backfield. I mean, Aikman's way the hell better, though, right? I mean, like, every big game Aikman shows up. If you puke on the field during a Super Bowl, you're not a Hall of Fame player. (laughs) Now, if you're sick as a dog and you puke, then good for you, you are. You're going to Canton. But if you go to the huddle and throw up, yeah, you're not wired like I want you. Well, I, and I, th- I think even from a numbers standpoint, it's just good. If, you're out. The problem is if you're comparing yourself to Troy Aikman, who played on a team that would get ahead and then hand the ball to Emmett Smith a gazillion times, you're kind of like owning yourself in a way because you're talking about the guy who did not have the greatest statistics all the time in Troy Aikman. But I would just defend to the death was a all-time great quarterback right up there, top 10 ever. Anyway. Phil Gadd, 89, hot take on six. <laughs> Six. 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 We, we, we got. We got to go. Six. Good. Our offense is still a work in progress right now. It's Great. going to take me a very long time to call the play. I need to make sure everyone is in their spot. I'm not calling it on two like I would if it was week 15. We're gonna miss all of our breaks because you're not getting the playoff. Oh, that's it's not my fault. All right. So Russell Wilson said DK Metcalf yeah. is looking quote really really special at minicamp. Give me one thing in your life, Judd. That you thought you'd be really, really good at, and it turns out you hey, quit making fun of me. You're not good at it at all. We've done YouTube videos on this. Uh, no, 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 no. I never thought I could be. Uh, I never really thought I could shoot a basketball. Uh, I was no, I could not. <laughs> and you know what? I'm fine with that. I'm very comfortable with that. Uh, when I was a kid uh, playing street hockey on Friday nights, I was a great goaltender, like really, really good. Stopped everything. Well, then I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'll put skates on. I'll be good. Well, <clears throat> blades on your feet change the dynamic, and uh, I was awful. So that's one thing that I thought, oh, it'll just translate. I'll just put skates on and be good. And uh, I was moved out of the goaltender position in my house league very quickly. Gotcha. I lost my job. Mine would be cooking. I thought it'd be pretty easy just follow the instructions. I cannot get it. Mm-hmm. It is not for me. I just, I struggle at cooking. It's mine. I'll stick with the. Well, I'm just. See, I accept I'm bad at cooking. I yeah. never even hoped or dreamed I to be good being at bad it. I hoped I could be good at it, but Why? I just like can't do it. I don't want to cook. <laughs> you know what it is for me? Courtney's seen me play and knows that I'm not very good. Is golf. There was. Uh, I, I think you're fine at golf. Fine. Yeah, but I thought I could be really good at it because <laughs> I, have, I have good hand eye coordination. I shoot a basketball well. You guys have heard. Um, you know, so like good at sports and all that sort of thing. And I thought, okay, this, this golf here, if I just get it, if I just work at it, if I just practice at it, I'll be really good at it. So I took one summer and I lived next to a par three course practice there every day. And then would go to the big course on the weekend and all that stuff. The best I ever shot was 88, which I was happy with. But then I played with a guy who was a golf pro who like couldn't throw a baseball five feet and he shot a 67. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you know what? I'm terrible at this. So I cannot be really Did good you sort at of golf. quit after that? In a way, yeah. I mean, really when just I moved up. I when like I it. moved here, I I just <laughs> didn't pick it back up from when I had played sure. a lot, but it was pretty much like if I practice every day, the best I could do is barely break 90 and this man who couldn't make a 40-yard dash is shooting a 69, for example. Okay, this is not fair. This sport is not a, about sports. <laughs>
I played the flute growing up oh, okay. up until uh, high school. And I thought I was more musically inclined. Mm. Than, <laughs> you look like you're about to like lose it over there. Okay, no, I'm listening. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm soaking it in. It was, I mean, I thought it was more musically inclined than I guess I was. I was not very good at it. I used to be able to play the piano by ear. Could not do that anymore. Um, you could? At one time? At, when I was younger, I used to be able to pick stuff up by ear. And wow. now I can't. And so I just don't think it was meant to be. I think my musical career was meant to die a slow death. You quit? I, Yes, I quit. See, that's good. <laughs> um, do I have time for the last hot route? Quitting is the best option. Exactly. There's no rules. Okay. 69, dark purple, jersey sweat. Jersey sweat. It was, a, it was a debate out there. She can't let it go. Which brings us into our last hot route. Mini camp's over. Short shorts. Short shorts. Yep. The three of us went out there. Judd, I love, I love your take, so please give me a massive overreaction to something you saw in mini camp. Okay, it's going to be combined uh, something I saw with something that was said in the Kirk Cousins press conference by the quarterback yesterday, and it's going to be this. Oh, my God, he doesn't know this offense at all. I thought he knew the offense. He doesn't. Everything's new. What are you talking about? Your teammates are lost around you, and I thought that you were the guy. I thought that you were like the, the guy that was going to be the savior, and now you don't know the offense, and you're basically saying, I don't know the offense? This is going to be 0-8. Kubiak's going to be fired. Zim's gonna, who's going to coach this team? <laughs> who's going to coach this club? Rick Dennison? You want to try this, Jonathan? I know you didn't go out there, but... Uh, uh, I've you, watched you enough of the press anyway. conferences. Yeah. Uh, I'll go off of Kirk's again yesterday. Man, that's a great, likable leader now. Taking, <laughs> taking responsibility for some stuff. That's good. Man. Savage, okay. I, I was going to say, you know, apparently in the seventh round... The receivers don't have arms or legs or hands. They don't. They, they can't find anybody in the seventh round <laughs> who have appendages <laughs> to catch footballs with. My gosh! Hey, Rick, no more seventh round picks. Trade up, not down. There's my overreaction. So if Kirk gets hurt and he is one of the most durable quarterbacks in the league, just given his like streak of consecutive uh, straight starts. They have no backup quarterback. Like they should. They, they don't. This I don't might even, not be an overreaction. I don't think this is an overreaction. It will. It will probably bring us into our uh, into our next segment at some point. Um, Sean Mannion, not good. Jake Browning, not good. Kyle Sloter, not good. The Vikings are very much in trouble with the with the backup quarterback situation. I think today was a microcosm of kind of how bad collectively the group is. Was today as bad as yesterday? It was worse. So you ever see I think um, it was worse. Mannion threw a Mannion had, or no Browning had a 60-yard pick, pick six on him. Mannion threw like two picks yesterday. Mannion threw two picks of rookie DBs yesterday. It was bad. So you know how like when a little kid shoots a basketball where they have to like put their whole body into it and they sort of like heave it up there? It sounds like me. That's Jake Browning throwing a football. It's just like, uh, he looks like a little kid heaving a basketball. Well, the other two actually just throw it like a regular NFL quarterback. Yeah. It's not great. Well, Hot Rats was fun. Florida I'm glad we okay. did this today. You did an okay job leading. I mean, look, I have, you put in the I backup quarterback. What can you expect? I have processing issues. I process slowly. That's why it takes were, me to six to get the playoff. You, you, you got to like, the line of scrimmage and froze a couple times, but besides like that, when, was fine. You know, that's never happened to an NFL quarterback no, before, has it? No, never. You were like when Jacoby Brissett took over for Andrew Luck. It was like, it was okay. Didn't he win a few games? Yeah, I won a few games. I could win a few games. All right. All right. We'll talk about some of the games that the Vikings could or could not win when we look at some of the uh, sections of the schedule, toughest and easiest. When we come back, you're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. I think we've had a good spring. Uh, 
And we got a long way to go, you know, but I think our, our work has been really good. Uh, we've taken some steps uh, forward as a group in, in all all areas, in my opinion. I think the key now is that, that we come back and we pick up where we left off. You know, we make sure we don't have to kind of start again. Let's pick up where we left off and go from there. But but the work's been good. It's been a really good offseason. All right, we are back here on uh, Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, <laughs> Judd Zolgad, and Courtney Cronin. And look, I agree with you guys that Diggs needs to lengthen the shorts because he's having a bad influence on Dylan Every, Mitchell. Everyone's I know. doing it. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah Dylan, Dylan Mitchell. Mitchell yeah. Okay, because I was going to say those were short shorts. I couldn't come back with all of us laughing without mentioning that that's what the discussion is. That you know, okay, one player does it, but when it's a veteran leader, that everyone follows and shortens. Where do you shorts. get shorts that short? These I days? think you just roll them. Right? They yeah, look like there's some sort of up. elastic. Yeah. Oh my god. It's like um Oh no. It's like John Stockton style NBA shorts. So WNBA players have been doing this recently. I saw which, Sparks player yeah, did it. They've been doing it. And I um I won't fight them on that, but with uh, the Stefan Diggs in that decision, he's been doing it for a little while and I'm not really into Why it. Why would you roll your shorts? <laughs> because he wants the... to show off his leg tattoos. Maybe he feels like it makes him look fast. Loves the breeze up the shorts. Okay. I don't know. Anyway. so uh, he, should, st- he should cut his uh, pants. I know the equipment room guys <laughs> oh, love that. Oh, they love that, yeah. <laughs> um, earlier this week with Rami, we started talking about sections of the schedule and revisiting a little bit because we just haven't talked about it in a long time with the draft and the OTAs and the mini camps and the non-trade of Kyle Rudolph. Um, so we went over the first four games. I want to look at the next four because the first four are very interesting with two trips on the road. And Robbie and I, the determination, you guys can tell me if you agree with this, the determination that we made is if you come out two and two, you're in pretty good shape for those first four games because they are not easy. And I would not say just because Oakland comes here that you should expect to walk over them. They have Antonio Brown now. You guys agree with that? Perfect. Yes, they do. And he could potentially injure all the Vikings players. That could happen. But, I mean, first four games is going to be really vital. You mentioned this the other day, Courtney, of getting off to a good start on offense because there's always the potential for this to get in really rocky ground really fast. I I think 2-2 and is a very respectable start for the first quarter of the season. I mean, Atlanta is – they should beat Atlanta at home. That should be their statement game. We're a different team from last year. Go out, punch them in the mouth, do exactly what they did to San Francisco in week one last year. Um, Green Bay, I still have a weird feeling about that game. I know that was, that was the same week that they played last year when they played in week two. I don't like that game that early in the season, personally, just from like, I don't know, an NFC North type feel. I think that that should be an outdoor game in the wintertime. But I don't know. I mean, are we going to, we're going to find out very quickly if that Packers defense is for real of all the money they spent to get guys in free agency and if, you know, Aaron Rodgers has enough weapons to be successful around him. They played awful there last year and it was just like, I feel like this team had so many slow starts that just killed them. Killed them against Buffalo. Killed them the week before against Green Bay when really and truly both teams lost that game at multiple points. But they just looked bad. And so if you split, you know, if you're one and one at that point, if the Raiders come here and you beat them two and one, you go to Chicago, you lose, you're two and two. That's not a bad place to start. Agreed um, with that, yeah. But because then you have, you know, what I tend to think is 
if I'm going to call it, maybe the easiest stretch of their schedule coming up after that from week six yeah. through um, week uh, six, seven, eight, ten. So it'd be the Gi- go to the Giants. Philly comes here. You go to Detroit. Have Washington here on Thursday night football. I don't. I think that on paper that that looks like a good stretch for the Vikings. I think that could be incredibly tough as well. I think two and two is a a very realistic start to open the year. You to mean. open the yeah. year, but what I'm saying is then that next stretch of games, I think, could lull you into a false sense of security. The Giants, I think, are bad. Not positive, but I'm sure. I'm pretty sure of that. Philly, I think, is tough. Detroit is just weird. I don't know. They all, there. They're always weird when they come here too, and, except for last year. Exactly, but. and then and then my my linchpin game. That I've said since this schedule came out, my linchpin game is Washington. Yeah, because we're going to find out in a prime time Thursday night game. We're going to find out exactly if the quarterback uh, has really changed against it, it's a, against his former team. Yes, I think to me, and and I don't think he'll be starting by then. But if that's Keenum against Cousins, it could be really interesting. So. Looking at this second section of the schedule, if we break it up into quarters, the at New York, Philadelphia, home, at Detroit, and Washington, the game that you're referencing, I think that this entire section is the most important part of their schedule this year because I have a tough time seeing them not going 2-2 two and two to start the season or 3-1 or and because I agree with you on Atlanta. I think they should beat Oakland. You get one of two against Green Bay or Chicago, so it's pretty hard for them to completely fall apart there unless they went 0-4, and, and then it's just over and this conversation doesn't matter, but it's unlikely that that happens. This next section is the finger quote easiest part of the section or easiest part of the schedule because you go to New York, you should beat them. Philadelphia isn't the same as they were two years ago. You beat them last year. Detroit should be beatable and Washington is absolutely beatable. But in a way, the easiest part of the schedule will tell us the most about this team because if they can't handle the easiest part of the schedule as they get into the middle of the year and we're not talking about hey, uh, it's a new offense and things like that, and teams aren't adjusting anymore, they know who they are by week five, then how am I supposed to believe you're going to go to Kansas City, to Dallas, and to Seattle in three of the next four games and actually beat those teams? I think we're going to know what we have from this team by week eight. How long do do we think after you guys saw what you saw for the past three days and I saw it on Tuesday and Wednesday, Realistically, right now, how long do we think it's going to take this offense to get into a position where it's in sync? Well, you're going to be running the ball more, which I think is really going to take a lot of pressure off Kirk. Because even even early on last year, they weren't sure, okay, how full go can we make Dalvin Cook? They found out very quickly that you're more likely to get a hamstring injury if you had an ACL in the same leg. I mean, that's just an unfortunate thing that they had to deal with. Now they know. Now they know he's healthy, he's good to go, and they, if they can create this stable around him where they can kind of take pressure off him with Alexander Madison or whoever else you want to be your battering ram, you can run the ball a lot more effectively. And I think against some of those defenses, um, against the Giants for sure, against the, I mean, I think Philly's still got a pretty decent defense. Um, but, I mean, if I'm looking at that stretch and thinking, okay, Lions and the Giants, that shouldn't be that difficult to put up good rushing performances. Like, pick, you know, Pick the games that, hey, we think we can run all over this team, do that. And, you know, that should be able to take some pressure off Kirk for, you know, getting kind of getting him ready for these primetime games, which, you know, that Chicago Bears game in week four, that is uh, the America's game of the week. So that 
Would you technically call that primetime? I mean, that is the game. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll he's, call prime he's, time. he's gotten, it's not like sort he has of. this huge buildup to that Washington game, which of course is going to be circled. And the narrative coming out that week about, oh, it's a team that didn't want you and et cetera, et cetera. And just his divorce from Washington. Um, I think that takes some of the pressure off because they can win some of those early games. And if they went, you know, going into week eight, if they were six and two, or I guess six or uh, six and one at that point, if possible, oh, yeah, well, that would be yeah. great. But more realistically, if they're yeah. three and three, I think you're still in an okay position. So to your question, Judd, I think that the offense and how we view it will entirely be on how healthy Delvin Cook stays. Because if he is healthy, this is the perfect running system for him. I don't think John Flippo used the zone runs enough last year with Delvin Cook, which baffles me as much as him not using a whole lot of play action. Like, I mean, come on, guy in Florida State, this was the most dominant running back in seminal history running this system. Why would you not do this? And he was dominant under Pat Shermer with the same thing. So if they can execute their zone running system with Delvin Cook, then it's going to be a lot of big plays. I mean, he is one of the most talented running backs in the league. It's just always whether he's going to be at 100%. And if they can throw it out of the backfield to him, he can make big plays from that. I don't know how many times in that first four weeks we saw Case Keenum check down to Delvin Cook. Oh, there's 20 or 30 yards. Um, So he's able to do that. But the offensive line is going to get tested right away, and this is what would concern me, is you still have Riley Reef, not a great pass blocker. You still have Brian O'Neill is going to have to prove he's really an NFL tackle. And you have a rookie starting at center against Grady Jarrett, who's one of the best interior defensive linemen in the NFL. So we're going to figure it out, I think, really soon, right off the bat, with Atlanta putting a lot of focus on improving their defense this year. If you come out and run Atlanta out of the building because your offense runs the ball with Delvin Cook, checks down to Delvin Cook, gets big plays off of that with play action, then we're going to feel like, okay, this Kubiak thing is all in, and here we go, we can roll. Um, but if Cook gets hurt, I don't know who the backup is right now. I mean, we don't even know who exactly number two is. And then there's a domino effect from that. And the same thing goes with either of the wide receivers because wide receiver three right now seems to be Chad Beebe. And we don't know if he can stay healthy. It's like that to me is is really the toughest question to to answer is, are they healthy going into the season? Could be a lot different than if they're not. There you have it. So we'll take a break. Well, hold on a second. After you one important question. give us a response. One important question off that. The RB2 is going to be important here. Oh, yeah. So the, But the, this is not a situation where Dalvin Cook can just play and play and play and play. No. Now, now, hopefully he plays all 16 games and contributes a lot. His importance is huge. But that being said, you, you had an RB2 previously who could step in. And, and in this league now, you have to have a player who can do some of those things. Well, I don't think you need a bell cow anymore. I mean, the Rams, and that's not how the league's made. No, I mean, the Rams are going to make it work without Todd Gurley being their bell cow. But I mean, the Vikings got, are just sort of like, well, we got some guys. That's not the right answer. No, but I think that they will have a two-back system. I think that's the way that the NFL has been trending for quite some time. And Dalvin, second, Dalvin has admitted it. And the second back is... Madison? I think it's Alexander Madison. Just okay. from what we we haven't seen a lot from th- so far, but you spend a third round pick on him. Mm-hmm. Like I'm looking off of optics of your draft strategy here. You don't want to say okay, your third round pick is you know number four in your running back room. I I don't I don't think they're ready for that. I mean, for a team that's going all in this year, I I don't think that that's the right move. Yeah, I think they're going to play the hell out of Delvin Cook and not care if his career goes goes short. I mean, I really think that. 
his rookie contract. But he'll get is hurt two more years. So. But he'll get hurt. Well, and that's if you the do thing that to with him. with the with Todd Gurley. Uh, there's a debate to be had there where you ran the hell out of Todd Gurley and you threw it to him every play, and it was basically the same thing as Sean Alexander, just with more passes or. Um, Larry Johnson, remember him from the Chiefs, oh, yeah. ran the ball 400 times, but you throw the passes, same thing. And they made the Super Bowl and were the number one offense one year before. And as sort of sick and sad as that is, I feel did, like they, Todd, did they really apologize for that? I feel like Todd played through more than Dalvin probably could, though. That might be true. I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I he mean, tried. I mean, Delvin I'm not saying that Cook wouldn't try. I just think he would break down before Gurley did. That might yeah, be true. because he does have the ACL and Gurley didn't. Yeah. And he also Gurley, had but issues Gurley in had, Gurley State had the Gurley had an ACL in college. Is that right? Yes, but they they wore him down to a nub. Basically, I don't know that you can get Cook that far before mm-hmm. he has to, you know, miss a game or two. All right, let's take a break, and I would like to talk about this article on ESPN about the AAF, the Alliance of American Football, and the downfall. Because it's just it's just crazy, and I love it. Okay, we'll be right back here on Purple Daily. I guess so. Some things, um, you know, the thing if, if something's successful against against you, you're going to see it again and, until you get it stopped. That's just the way football is. But um, no, I don't. I, I wouldn't say necessarily put a linebacker in a bind, or you know, I mean, they're always trying to attack different ways. That is Minnesota Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer. Uh, real quick before we get back to the the kind of putting the bow on minicamp for the Vikings, I've just been reading through this article on the AAF that goes into incredible detail behind the scenes of how the AAF failed. And um, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of the money stuff and how Bill Polian got involved and Ebersol and all this thing and how it comes together. Um, <laughs> I love this stuff. I love when it happens. I mean, every time we talk about how don't do it, do not do not start a spring league, don't you dare. And then the it, of course, burns down in flames and the ensuing details, the ensuing documentaries, the ensuing books like on the USFL that Jeff Perlman did. It's all great. And I hope people never stop making these leagues because every time the disaster is way better than the league. Don't worry. They won't. Yeah, and they the XFL is probably next. And and the, the only question is, what's going to kill this league and how quickly will, will this league flame out? Because if you guys recall, the story of the USFL was they got greedy and went from a spring league that was actually sort of working and were like, well, let's take on the NFL. Right. It's like, yeah. no, no, that's a bad idea. And But this league, the alliance is incredible. Because, but the one thing nobody told any of us uh, before the Carolina Hurricanes owner invested and then eventually just shut the thing down very quickly and, and of course, took the assets was that Reggie Fowler was the money man. Go back to Egan right now. Sit down with anyone who was around the Vikings when when Reggie came in and bought the team. Originally bought the team. I'm six foot one and tons of fun. And you, they will not be surprised that Reggie Fowler's investments didn't work out. You know, what's interesting to me is that you mentioned the XFL being the next dumpster fire that we can see kind of off in the distance as a glow, but it's going to be up in our face and just blazing. Um, I didn't know this until I looked at the article, which I've just done a brief scan. I will read it. Um, there's apparently some other like, sa- like 
leagues in, in the works right now. I did not know that. Terrell Owens and Ricky Williams have the Freedom Football League. <laughs> um, I don't know what that is. Um, and then the Pac Pro League is found, co-founded by Don Yee, who's Tom Brady's agent. So it's like, <laughs> why do we keep doing this? Like, you know how much money it costs to put something like this on? The NBA did it right with the big three. It's not the same thing. If the NFL could just have like a, I don't know, maybe just make seven on seven, like a really cool competitive seven on seven league. That's the Why sport now, basically. It is, especially with. Much to Zim's uh, dismay. Well, no offensive line, no defensive line. Just go ahead and have like a yeah. fun seven on seven. And I mean, you want offense? There's your offense. And um, I think that that would be. Because the reason the big three has worked, and I mean, I use worked kind of with air quotes, too, because, I mean, it's like, do you really sit home and watch that stuff? I no. thought it was interesting when it came out because Baron Davis was playing in it and trying to make his comeback to the NBA. And then Iverson said he was going to and basically just yeah. never did. And it's just, you know, Great. but that to me has more intrigue because it's not it's not trying to be a carbon copy of the sport that you're playing, of the sport that everybody cares about, which is the NFL. I'm going to stick with my XFL take and say that if they made it into a one-hour show on HBO and you didn't have to watch the games, you could go online and watch them, but you didn't have to actually watch the games. You just got the recap and the interviews and the the behind-the-scenes and the slow motion and the production and the editing. People would watch it and they would love it. Like the boxing competition. And and there have been other versions of that. Uh, what what was it called? I forget what it was called. But they, they would have a bunch of boxes. Twenty four hours. They would. Yeah, I don't know how it worked, but they would. You know, kind of go through this thing and win some sort of championship or whatever it was. And that would be fun, and I would be really interested in it. A bunch of and scouts could show up to watch the real games, and the players would get their real opportunities, and fans could come to them if they wanted to, but they wouldn't be in giant stadiums. Stop doing that. Yeah, that's the problem. That's a huge part. Of the how problem. about the even the AAF merchandise? It was like everywhere. Like every you got like these coaches on the sideline, and everybody's got this free gear. And you're like that costs a lot of money. What are you doing? Well, they like that costs so much money they couldn't fly players home. <laughs> Yeah, At the end I, of right, it, when the whole right. thing folded. So I, I've always thought that was the only possibility, is you basically have this minor league that is on TV in the form of a reality show only, but you can watch the all-22 film or a recap of the game or whatever if you want to, and then it would work. But every time they try to do this, they try to go big. They try to go for broke, and it just doesn't work. I mean, Bill Polian in this article was telling people, like, yeah, this will be just as good a football as the NFL. Like, are, are you out of your skull? Like, week really? one was fun. I watched week one. It was. I watched the Saturday yeah. night game. So did I. It really wasn't that bad of football. I need a place for my Charles guy Kyle Slaughter to develop, doggone it. That's all I need. I know. All right. It's like a son to me. Zolgad, you stick around. Courtney, you're on vacation next week and the week after. And that is. maybe the <laughs> no. week. How long are you on vacation for? 16 days. 14 days. Okay. So we'll see you again sometime. Wow. Two weeks. Going to Europe? Yep. Going to Europe. Might never come back. <laughs> Me no, I'm just taking over ball with me. <laughs> Without NFL football, I don't think so. All right. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Talk to you tomorrow. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. 
Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton. Motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.